Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. What's happening, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Gagan Pod. I'm joined by two former Premier League stars, Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges, as we dive into everything from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being sacked. Finally, we expected this one to happen to managers fighting on the touchline. Klopp and Arteta inspired some great stories from these two. And we're talking the best signings of the season in the Premier League and the biggest flops. There's some surprise inclusions, all that and plenty more on the Gagan Pod. What's happening, guys? Welcome to another Gagan Pod. I am joined by former Premier League footballers Michael Bridges and Thomas Sorensen to go through absolutely everything in the world of football here on Optus Sport, plus more. It's been a cracking weekend, plenty of storylines. I think we know the biggest one that we're going to dive into in just a second, but I'm going to say a very good morning to Michael Bridges, who... Tottenham ran out winners in the Michael Bridges derby. We said that last week. Spurs against Leeds. What a yes, game, what a game. What a weekend as well, Claude. 36 goals across the Premier League. It was absolutely fantastic. And like you said, the Michael Bridges derby, as, as you called it, my team that I support against <laughs> the team that I had so many great years with in Leeds United. And I called it wrong, Claude. I did the reverse psychology. I went for the team that looked after me as an ambassador in Leeds United. And Spurs <laughs> came out on top. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, you, you could be forgiven because I thought Leeds were fantastic in the first half. Probably unlucky not to be a few more up. Tommy, your former club, Aston Villa, got off to a great start under life with Steven Gerrard. That must be good signs. Oh, yeah. Uh, you could just sense the, the, the different atmosphere at Villa Park. You know, from the moment he entered the pitch, um, you know, obviously a full crowd. And then the perfect ending. I think it was a tight game against, obviously, a, a great Brighton team. And, and it could have gone either way. But they had that little bit of luck, a little bit of desire. Uh, and hopefully it can spur them on now. Give give uh, some players, you know, Ming's got, got a goal. You know, he's been a bit down. So to just breathe that confidence back into the side. But they've they, they got some good players and I think Gerard will uh, get them back on track. Yeah, I think they will. And I, I must say, I tell you what, for a centre-half, I thought Mings did very well to reposition his body and finish that one. There was nothing easy about that. But gentlemen, we've got to talk about the biggest storyline of the week. I could, every time I refresh, I see a new manager being highly linked with this Manchester United job because finally, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been relieved of his duties. Bridgie, it was a long time coming, right? And after a loss like that to Watford, you can't you expect anything Is that just breaking news now? Because I didn't see that over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I could not go on any media stream anywhere newspaper back page without reading this it's um yeah it's it's huge news and i think it was inevitable after the watford defeat and i think it's caught manchester united board and backroom staff out once again because yes i think they would have been looking at changing Solskjaer at some point i don't think they realized after the watford game they were going to have to do it so quickly they've been caught short again They've missed out on Conte. Tottenham have just, you know, had a made a huge, huge call. Um, Daniel Levy thinking, do you know what it is? Let's get Conte in quick because I know Manchester United are talking to him. 
and they've been coach out. So now I've heard that it's going to be the interim interim of Michael Carrick, and then this might be an interim till the end of the season before they get a new manager. So I'm going to chuck my name in the hat, mate. I'm, I'm putting my name up for grabs because all the other <laughs> pundits in the UK, Gary Neville, Roy Keane and Rio Ferdinand, they've stayed well clear of it. Um, I'm throwing my name in the hat. <laughs> Would love to see it. Tommy... What have you made of this? Because, yeah, they, they really did. They lost out on Antonio Conte. And is there anyone free in world football that's suitable for this job? I don't know if there's anyone free. I think, you know, Pochettino, you're looking at his contract runs out next year. Um, I think, no, 2023, I think. Uh, but he has indicated, or at least, you know, you think him managing PSG, it's a, it's a year-to-year because if you don't win there, you could be out of the door. You know, he, he, he has moved his family to Paris. He's still living in a hotel. Uh, and, and I think he would, you know, he would love a five-year deal with, with Man United to, to build a team by his liking and with his philosophy. Um, because I still think he's on a lot of restraint at, at, at PSG. Uh, so, so I think he's, he's, he's a great option. And I know there's obviously been interest in the past. You know, you're looking at uh, Tanakh from from Ajax. You know, he's a similar because you, you you would want a plan, and I think that's what I've been missing with Man United. Now, Bridgie just mentioned it as well, not having a plan B. You know, I I you know we've talked about Solskjaer for the last six months on this podcast. So surely people in charge, uh, Woodward, uh, would have a, a plan B lying <laughs> on the desk drawer, you know, ready to roll. Come the time, and and again, if 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 they had Conte at the top of their list, head needs to roll because they should have pulled the trigger when he was available. Yeah, because Solskjaer, you know, it was inevitable. What I we, you know, it was just a matter of time. You could see the team, the way they have reacted. It was just a downward spiral, really, ever since the the European Cup final. Um, uh, you know, they lost. Uh, I that think was- it, it's it's just been. Yeah, it's been a sad sight because we all love Solskjaer. He's a great personality and what he's done at Man United. And you can see the way he's gone out of the door now with, with so much respect still. But I don't think he was ever the right man for such a big job. The thing, the thing that's hurt them in my eyes with Solskjaer, they were a very, very good counter-attacking team last season. They sat in, they got the defensive um, structure well-organised and they counter-attacked. They had a few fundamental errors from their own doings with corners when they left themselves exposed at the back and they got counter-attacked themselves. But I've got to say, Solskjaer got it bang on. This season, they've gone for a completely different approach where they wanted to do a more pragmatic pressing game. And what's happened, they've kind of, they're stuck between the lines and some were pressing, some weren't. They hadn't quite got the fundamentals right and they've left themselves exposed on numerous occasions. We've seen them now get flogged, what is it, three three times this season? And that's not good enough, yeah. absolutely not good enough. So it, it's interesting to see what goes on. Now, football is a funny game. I love how the dynamics in football change on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis. So coincidentally, Champions League football this week... <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain are playing Manchester City at Manchester City. So guess who's in town mm-hmm. at Manchester? Pochettino. <laughs> guess who said he would like to do the job and take it over? And I think the transition um, is quite incredible. Paris Saint-Germain now, I reckon they would allow this to happen because they've got Zinedine Zidane waiting. So it could be a wow. two- or three-way move here. And, and you do... Ah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I still, I Sorry, still think Sidan uh, is holding out for the for the France job. I, I think that's his his ultimate goal. Um, but 
you know, who knows? As, as you said, Bridgie, it, it's everything is up in the air. And that's the exciting thing. That, that's why we're sitting here and talking about it, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen? And, and especially at Man United, because they don't really seem to have a plan. You know, it's just, you know, sign big names, you know, make money, share prices going up. Everyone is happy. <laughs> You know, there, there doesn't seem to be a football plan. And that, that's, that's what but I can't that's wait the, to see. that's the big issue, Tommy, the football plan. Man City had a football plan. They knew they wanted Pep Guardiola. They waited for him. And yeah. what, what they did, they, they know what they want to be as a football club at this moment in time, on and off the field. They have a system and a style of play that is throughout the club, a bit like the Barcelona now, where you know what they are going to play. It's very, very... I feel that Manchester United is just, oh, let's get somebody and we'll change the style again. We'll change the dynamics here. It's just so flippant. They don't know what they are anymore. And I heard some classics um, over the last couple of days. Uh, and one I really like, obviously, it's because of his health, Sir Alex Ferguson. Could he just step in for a little bit to help out and come back? <laughs> if it wasn't for his health, who knows? Um, we wouldn't put it past him. But I had to laugh. I heard Saul Campbell, one of the uh, from ex, you know, Tottenham, Arsenal, and England um, pundits. Uh, sorry, footballers working in the pundit now. He chucked in Steve Bruce. Now that made me laugh. If uh, you know what I mean, if you're going to get a team relegated from the Premier League and then you want them to get your Manchester United job, please do me a favour. <laughs> Stranger things have happened in football. I think the biggest thing when I look at this, right? I wanted to ask your opinion, Tommy. That Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, when we look back on his reign, he's had the third best win percentage, right? Take away Jose Mourinho and Sir Alex Ferguson, he's actually got a better record at Man United than any manager that came before Sir Alex. And so my question to you is, since Sir Alex did what he did at this club, has being the manager of Man United become the hardest job in world football? I wouldn't say the hardest. Um, you know, I think, you know, just looking at, at Solskjaer, the time he's been given, the money he's been given, um, you know, he's had ample of time. I think that there's, uh, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of clubs around, uh, and I can mention especially Real Madrid uh, as one of them, where there's a, <laughs> where there's a shorter leash, um, where it's year to year. We, we just talked about PSG. If you don't win any trophies, you're out of the door. Uh, and, and Solskjaer hasn't, but he's still been given the time. Uh, you know, I, I would rather have the Glazers looking over my shoulder than uh, Florentino Perez, uh, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the Glazers are a little bit more uh, laid back, uh, typical American than uh, a very hot-headed uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish uh, chairman. The the, yeah, the other fair. one is Barcelona. Bridgie. I think that's a very, very tough job at this moment in time. Xavi's gone in there. Koeman didn't manage to do it. And I th it's, for me, the players that they have lost and the financial state of the club that they're in. That is a huge job. So there's two ways, you know, Enrique, uh, not Enrique, sorry, uh, Xavi can do it. He's already come and changed the, the dynamics inside the dressing rooms, um, giving them new rules and regulations. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles this. He's going to embrace it because he's a club legend and he's been around. Mm. Uh, and he wants to get back to the, the fabric of the club that he knew it as under Pep Guardiola. So for me, at this moment in time, that is the biggest um, job in world football. You talk about like hard jobs in football, and, and Tommy, you mentioned PSG, and we've spoken at length about Mauricio Pochettino, the news being that he's ready to leave Paris despite being so far ahead on top of the ladder. We know expectations are high there, and you can win the league and nobody cares. Mm. Right? It's a little bit like maybe being manager of Bayern Munich, but... For him to go to Man United, the reason why I think we're asking if this is the hardest job in the world is because if he goes to Man United and wins a Premier League title, wins a Champions League crown, win whatever, 
it's all been done before. I mean, a treble winning season has been done before by Sir Alex. Whereas if he stays at PSG and gets that Champions League crown, he etches his name in history. So is it really worth letting that seat go to go to United where you're in somebody's shadow no matter what? You know, I think when you go, you know, you're looking at the big clubs, like we talked to Barcelona, the Real Madrid, the Bayern Munichs. You know, it's not about becoming the greatest. Uh, I think it's just being part. You know, if you win a trophy with Man United, you're etched in history, and and, and we see that week in and week out. Like the the power, you know, they're 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 the most valuable club in in the world. Uh, you know, the 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 shirt, you know, the DNA of the club, the passion, um, and and. Yes, he, he goes there and he wins trophies. He's not going to overtake Alex Ferguson. That's going to take <laughs> a lot. But then you, you're part of that forever. Like we've seen with Solskjaer, you know, it's, and that's well, who as a manager doesn't want to be part of that. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's, that's the incentive enough for, for, for me if I was Pochettino. Having witnessed the Manchester United ex-players um, and played against Manchester United and seeing the way the ex-players are tread around the world. It just clarified for me why Manchester United are the biggest and most well-supported club, I would say, in the world, along with Liverpool Football Club. Uh, everywhere the boys went in Asia, everywhere they went in Australia, everywhere they, they travelled to, they, they tread like royalty. And it's because of the, the history of the club. No doubt about it. The the trophies that they have got, and Sir Alex Ferguson played a huge part before that. Um, Sir Matt Busby and everybody that was involved um, at Manchester United. It's just got an incredible... And I think it's so great that Pochettino has recognised that, if it is going to be him. But, you know, people want the Manchester United job because of the, the world recognition that you get rather than being at a money-generated football club in PSG. Hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that I think when Man United call, you still answer All the phone. That's why my pre- my prediction for what's going to happen is maybe a little bit left field. I think Brendan Rodgers is going to take the job and Frank Lampard will replace him at Leicester. That's my prediction for what's going to happen next. But either way, guys, Man United, they sit six points out of the top four. They're not in a terrible position. They're top of their group in the Champions League, but they now go Villarreal away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home, Crystal Palace at home. You've mentioned it looks like maybe Michael Carrick will be popping in for this one. Realistically, what can United expect from their team now without a manager going into this type of run of games, Tommy? Oh, it's going to be tough, obviously. Um, you know, they, they just managed uh, Villarreal at home. Um, you know, obviously Chelsea, we, we've seen the form they're in uh, at, at the moment. Uh, but again, I think it's an, other, it's a, it's an opportunity and, and the goal should still be top four. You know, it, you can't just say, oh, we, we're just going to, you know, wipe this season off, off our records and, and, and look at, at whoever comes in. I think the players are good enough. Um, you know, it's just about confidence, a bit of structure. Um, and, and things can change so quickly. You know, we, we, we potentially will see it with Villa, with, with Gerard. You know, we see it time and time again when new managers come in that, it, you know, we saw it like Newcastle, you know, even though they didn't get a result, but just a, a different approach. They were a lot more attacking this weekend. Uh, and, and suddenly things can change. Uh, so united with the players and the quality they have, top four and, and obviously progressing in Champions League is, is still a, should be still a, a big target. It's going to, Bridgie, go uh, no, sorry, no, no, yeah. I was just going to say it was, it was interesting to listen to Michael Carrick. The, uh, I was listening to one of his interviews today um, before they travelled to Villarreal and he was full of support for Ollie and things, but he said, oh, but I've, I'm going to make changes. There's going to be different things that I want to do as a coach. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, surely you're meant to be in full support of your gaffer and you're straight away, you've just thrown him <laughs> under the bus. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does player-wise or structure-wise, but I'm, I'm feeling that we might get a little bit of a response um, from some of the players. And I, I, I'm really upset at some of the criticism that Cristiano Ronaldo has been getting, how they're saying uh, a lot of pundits and media were saying it's down to Ronaldo's signing. I tell you what, if you take Ronaldo's goals out of the Champions League, Manchester United mm. have got two points and they're out of the group stage. They're out of the group stages. So, do me a favour, please. Like, how can you put it on Ronaldo? This it's as a collective, staff, players, everybody involved with that football club. They know that, and I, I really feel that he's come under a lot of criticism for the wrong reasons. When you look at the actual stats and figures of what he's done so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's already having some very interesting similarities to Chelsea's season last last year. I don't want to say that as a Chelsea fan myself, but you've got a former player that's been let go. Imagine a PSG manager comes in while they're out of the Champions League group, and who knows? You can start to dream at that point, guys. You, you mentioned new managers having an instant impact. Norwich City. Now, I want to quote Michael Bridges, who said on on numerous occasions that they will go down with the lowest points in Premier League history. They're now two wins on the trot. Bridgie, one more win, and they've already beaten Derby County's record. Are Norwich going to save themselves? I think they will. You know, under Dean Smith, I was gutted when I saw the news that um, they've got <laughs> they've got rid of the um, the German Farker. <laughs> Um, I almost swore myself when I saw that because he's given them a new lease of life as well. I know Farker had a win, um, but you know Dean Smith getting that one. I think he can just—he's definitely going to get them past that um, worst points record. Whether he can keep them up is another thing. I—I I think they've realised what Dean Smith is all about, what he's done at Villa, given them a lot of stability, got them promoted, uh, and I think that was a very smart move by Norwich City. And yes, I can say I will be eating humble pie. <laughs> Tommy, you were shaking uh, your head at that one. You don't think they're going to stay up? You know, again, I've seen it done. I, I, again, you know, if if you get a like Dean Smith will come in, organise them. You know, you're lo- looking at the team. You know, they, they, they've got no sort of outstanding players. You know, you got you're still relying on on Pookie and you've got Hanley at the back and Tim Kroll. Uh, and again, Dean Smith come out and saying, obviously Billy Gilmore. Um, he, you know, he's got to put a, put a lot of, of faith in in him, and, and he's a, obviously a bright young player. Tommy, uh, I think that so, was his biggest decision that made a massive impact because yeah, yeah. Farker hadn't been yeah. playing him, and everybody in Scotland, especially, was saying, "What the hell's going on with Billy Gilmore? He's yeah. unbelievable!" And straight away, Smith puts him back in. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I've seen what what managers can do with uh, not so much material. Well, you know, we did well at Stoke with not not so much, probably a worse team than than this Norwich team. But you know, so it is possible, and and they need to be defensively sound, which they haven't really been um, in in general. So I still have my doubts, uh, but I agree with Bridget. They're not going to go down with with the lowest amount of points for sure. Yeah, they can't really now. Uh, I hope none of your Former teammates of Stoke City. I was about to say that. Oh, hey, we were all we were all realistic. Were gonna, hey, we I all knew we were shit. Sunderland. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Sunderland, mate, and I was just about to jump on the bandwagon. Is you went Stoke? I went. Oh, that'll do. I'm safe. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm looking you in the eye here, Bridget. But uh, the others, I'm not. So there we. <laughs> we all knew at that time. We all knew. Uh, we we lo- all knew. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, but look, you speak about managers and the impact that they have at these clubs. There were two other managers on show 
on the weekend. And I think there were no, no, no big main event fights that we could uh, pay-per-view to watch on the weekend. So instead, we were treated to Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp on the sideline. Um, I personally love it. I love it when managers get fired up. Both of them were booked and they were right in each other's faces. And I wanted to ask you guys if you've ever experienced that as a player. And if you've ever played under a manager that you just look over to the sideline, they're just carrying on like a clown. Does that inspire you? Or does that do you just feel like, sit down, mate. Like, we got this covered. Claude, just do your job. Are you kidding? We played under Peter Reid. We saw this on a week-to-week... We saw a this feeling. on a week-to-week basis with his own staff and with the opposition staff. Um, yeah, he really was brilliant at winding up the fourth officials and the, the opposition managers. And I, I don't mind seeing it. I've got to be honest with you. As long as it's all in, in good jest and there's no punches being thrown and things like that. I, I loved the one last season with Lampard and Klopp. It always seems to be Klopp, yeah. Simeone and Klopp, Arteta and Klopp. Yeah. So if you read between the lines, he's got this little, you know, he's an amazing guy. I love him when he's interviewed. He's a fantastic coach. And he's got this, he's, he's got the ability to wind up the other coaches and get under their skin to get a reaction and I, I think Arteta afterwards said he was defending his team and Klopp was defending his team and they were friends afterwards but I, I, I think yeah I think Klopp, Klopp won this one <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no, I, I love it as well I think you, you, know, you want to see the passion uh, and again you, you're sticking up for your team uh, you, you, you got your players back and uh, you know you're trying to win uh, so uh, again I've had managers, and I, I don't know. Bridget said uh, Peter Reid, but like for me, Tony Pulis, uh, you know, he, he had this thing because we we were playing zero risk at the back, and whenever the sort of the back four was sort of playing the ball along the line, and there was sort of a, a an inkling of uh, of the players trying to pass it back to me in goal, <laughs> I could ju- I could just hear him kick it. Kick it! And seriously, I don't know how many times I just wanted to run out over and just punch him. Every time, kick it! (laughs) He didn't give you much faith in playing out then, did he? Uh, No, no, no. We didn't have any faith in what, so he didn't want any risk whatsoever. So uh, it was just something I, I, I can laugh of it now, but oh my God, it, it really pissed me off at that time for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and in this case I mean you mentioned that Klopp's done this now to a few managers it's always at Anfield as well maybe it's just that atmosphere that's just it's so in your face as, as, as a visitor that you, you boil over and I think that's what it might be but he is definitely a wind up merchant and here look he won it on the pitch definitely 4-0 Arsenal. I thought, you know, you mentioned that. It's very interesting you mentioned that, Tommy, because I thought it was quite interesting to see the way Arsenal were playing out from the back, coughing up possession, but they kept playing, right? They kept playing this style, and I think that's probably testament to Mikel Arteta. Is that is that promising if you're an Arsenal fan, seeing that they, they're sticking with the system no matter what, and eventually they're going to get it right? You know, it, you know, uh, I think it's it's a it's a balancing act. You know, again, you you can't take unnecessary risks. Uh, I think Tavares got caught out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it cost them the second goal. P- potentially, you know, that was a big turning point. I thought so. You know, if you can get past the point of making mistakes, you know, you you see the likes of Liverpool, you see the likes of Chelsea, and and obviously Man City, who are the benchmarks. You know, they very seldom make mistakes. And um, but I, I get where Tete is coming from. You you need to install that confidence uh, because you will get under pressure, especially you know the way football is played nowadays with the high press. Uh, if you can't play your way out, you've got no chance. So uh, I, I like where this Arsenal team is going. Uh, again, you know, 
you know, it could have been probably a, a, a lot more if Ramsdale hadn't had a, a man of the match performance. And that says it all with, with 4-0. And so they, they've got things to work on, but I, I, I like where they're going and the confidence that he's trying to in, in, install. It was, it was impressive to think that they kept going and trying to play through the press of probably the best pressing team in world football at this moment in time. Um, and there's other ways of beating the press, going a little bit longer, more direct, break the press. Can you win the second balls off the knockdowns? Things like that. And maybe that's what they can look to do and bring a bit of a plan B because when you're playing teams like your Liverpool and your City, you do have to mix it up and be a bit more unpredictable. I felt that Liverpool, once mm. they knew they had them and they had that press absolutely brilliant, Arsenal didn't change it up and that, that was their downfall. Um, but I still respect what he's trying to do because the football inside of it, um, from where he, from where I've seen Arsenal when he first took over to where they are now, is on a, on a different wavelength. Yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing some, some similarities to Jurgen Klopp's start at Liverpool, even to Pep Guardiola's start at City. He's got a system and he's not going to move away from it. And I quote the great Ange Postacoglu as well, who did say, you know, a vegetarian doesn't just pop into McDonald's when they're feeling hungry. You stick to your system and you stick to your beliefs. And I think that that's what we're seeing with this Mikel Arteta side. There were 10 undefeated as well before this game. So they'll take some positives out of that. Gentlemen, I'm, I'm upset that there's no Mark Schwarzer today because well, the next the topic, only we're going to talk about some of the... <laughs> <laughs> because the next topic we're talking about Premier League signings of the season and flops that have moved and, and when I think signings of the season I just think of Ma Mark Schwartz's love child Maxwell Cornet at Burnley who scored again he's got the best goals per minute ratio in the Premier League is um, he the best signing of the season? What, oh, what amazing volley. Because me, I've got to admit, yeah. I give Schwartz a lot of a lot, a lot of grief because I can't stand watching Burnley <laughs> They are painful. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, since Corny has come in, I actually would open my curtains if they were playing football in my front garden. And I'd actually watch them at this moment in time. As soon as Corny substituted, I'd shut the curtains again. Um, but what a player, yeah. what a sign. And I th yeah, he's, he's got to be up there. Definitely. Yeah, you, you... I mean, Conor Gallagher comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, but was he on loan? Yeah. True. Uh, he's Cucurella. still a blue boy, isn't he? I, I would I would throw Cucurella in there from from Brighton. I think he's been excellent, and Ramsdale, like Ramsdale, yeah. probably yes. one of the yeah, if not. He, he was he was my go-to, Tommy, um, with the goalkeepers yeah. union. Swartz not here. I don't mind siding with you. I would never do that with Swartz. <laughs> but yeah, Ramsdale was in there for me as well. So um, some some good pedigree. But yeah, Corny, oh my word, yeah. he's he'd be lucky to see out that season there. And, and how, how long is he going to stay at Burnley? I think, you know, there yeah. surely yeah. it'll be someone to snap him up, you know, if not in January, then by the end of the season. Hmm. Definitely. And I think there's always this extra excitement when you sign. And there's been this, I guess, this myth for many years saying that you need a year or two to adapt to the Premier League. We remember hearing that with David Silva, who took a whole season to adapt to the league. And you hear it so often, but someone like him that's just come in and bossed it has made it look easy in a team like Burnley, which isn't the most football playing team. What about flops of the season? We saw a few new signings come in. Who do you think has been the most underwhelming new signing in the Premier League this season? I mean, one big name comes yeah, to mind. Uh, Go on, Tommy. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I'll say Jaden Sancho. I think for me, um, you know, just looking at the weekend, um, you know, that, I don't know if it was the second goal, you know, just the effort. He just looks like a, a player without confidence, um, like he's not being backed, um, and then not throwing himself in there, not, not sort of trying to prove a point. He, he just... He just seems to have sort of uh, thrown in the towel, uh, and and he definitely needs a new manager, somebody who can, 
you know, I don't know his personality. If he needs a kick up the ass or if he needs a, 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 an arm around him, um, but he, it definitely hasn't worked. And, and you're looking at the price tag. You know that that is definitely uh, not the signing they'd hoped for up till this point. I've got to throw one in for the Chelsea man who is obviously Horston, Claude's Lukaku mm. flop or not? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one, right? It's an interesting one when you look at Lukaku, Saul. Uh, a couple of Chelsea signings. I think with Lukaku, you've got you've got to give the benefit of the doubt when it comes to injury. Um, but you know what, Bridget? Even even in those games we saw him uh, against Man City, uh, when you really needed a big man up top to hold it up and and do that job, and then now you see Chelsea without a striker and how good they're playing and how free flowing they're playing and how much possession, how many shots on target. So far, I I can't argue with you because yeah, as you said, there's a price tag there. And you've got to you've got to meet it. And so, if, if you question Jaden Sancho, maybe you have to question Lukaku. But Tommy, you don't agree. You know, again, he still scored uh, three out of seven. I know there were two against Villa and one against Arsenal early in the season. Um, and, and yes, I, I think there has been games where he's looked out of sorts. And you know, does Gone he fit missing. in this? Yeah, and, and does he fit in the system? Uh, you know, is there too much adaptation tactically to to fit him in? Uh, but you can't question. And I was looking at his record. Like he, he's over his career, he, he's scoring one every two games, um, and he's still on track mm. to do that at Chelsea, even though he's been injured the last four or five games. So I think we need to give him yeah. time. You know, it's not like he, he's gone seven games and hasn't scored. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that mm. he hasn't probably lived up up until this point to to the price tag and the expectations. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I thought it was it was very interesting today because you talk about players like Jaden Sancho, young people that you expect they're on top of the game one year and then the following season they're down here. And I don't know if you guys saw, but John Terry, uh, with some awesome punditry this morning for us last night for in the UK, he was talking about some of his his biggest learning under Dean Smith at Villa was there was a particular player he didn't name names, but he said there was a, a great young player who's just underperforming, and and JT. Uh, I guess, filmed his training session, filmed his games, sat down, spoke with him, argued with the player on a few occasions and just basically said to Dean that I don't think he's good enough at the moment. And Dean asked him, he said, have you spoken to him about his family life? Have you spoken to him about what's happening at home? Try that. And and JT pulled him aside, spoke to him, and he said that he, he found out that his family, I think he just had a, a child and he couldn't see the child. It was during COVID and his family was away and all this. And once he connected with the player on a personal level and they resolved a few things, he just excelled on the park. And then you just saw him just change. And I guess the, the fans don't see this side of it, but you two have played the game at a high level. Tommy, you've played in other countries away from your family. So have you, Bridgie. You've had to move across the world. How much does that mentality in your personal life affect the way you play football out there on the pitch? I think that's, uh, that's, that's how modern management has moved forward. Forward. I think uh, you see these modern managers uh, judging players individually. A lot of them, uh, you know, we, we we talk about Peter Reed a lot on on this <laughs> this show uh, for good reason uh, because you know that was the total opposite. You know, just everyone you know judged the same on the same circumstances. Uh, you know, and and you see a lot of players fall by the wayside because you know they didn't get you know, the arm around them or they didn't get that personal connection with the manager that probably could have 
turn their career around. And um, it, it and was the players, old. It was the old. <laughs> it's a hard not life for me. It's a hard not life. He just didn't care, did he? Yeah, but I, I think it's you know, and this is where I think a lot of clubs are spending money as well to have. Maybe not the manager because it's hard. You know, you can't micromanage your youth players and your all your senior squad and talk about family. But that you have people in your organization, uh, mentors uh, that can actually get the best out of players and 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 get to the bottom of of issues. Um, because at the end of the day, young players they're an investment, and and I, that's some of the things that has knocked me over the the years is. You know, clubs investing so much money and, and just letting it waste away, not not giving them a shot, not not diving into what is the real issue behind behind this young player or behind this senior player that's not performing. Uh, it's sort of just nah, he's not good enough, and then out the door. So I, I, I quite like this. Um, I, I quite like this, and and it's a good lesson for John Terry and for everyone. I else. saw that on a whole new level, mm. Tommy. After I left um, Sunderland, going to play for Leeds United as well, when you know playing with one of the biggest clubs in Europe at the time. And we had a very, very young team. And you think that we were doing everything right. We we weren't, you know, we didn't take security with us. And originally when we travelled to Europe, we were behind on the eight ball there. There was things went on in the hotel um, from the opposition management and, and owners trying to keep us awake with fire alarms. And, you know, the, what is the food getting tampered with and things like that? And we didn't have player liaison officers. And as soon as I left Leeds United, I got and um, signed for Newcastle United with Bobby Robson for six months. And again, didn't see anything off the field that would suggest psychologists or player liaisons. And then I went to Bolton Wanderers with Sam Allardyce. Uh, had a lot of array of a talent from around the world. Henrik Pedersen, JJ Kocha, Yuri Zhaikiev, um, Gardner from Jamaica, and some local legends and Kevin Nolan Davies. And the first thing I got introduced was a guy called Mike Ford, who was a, a psychologist. And there was a player liaison officer, and I can't for the love of me remember his name. Uh, and they were looking after you off the field to make sure you settled in. I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. This is a whole new ball game. Mm. Um, what, what's going on here? Uh, and it, it, it took me a while to adjust to that because I felt like I was getting my privacy intruded on. But it was actually, you know, just unbelievable. And I look back at how far ahead Sam Allardyce was off the field. Um, and I'd played for, you know, Newcastle United, Leeds and Sunderland, who were all Premier League clubs and playing in Europe, and uh, he was doing things off the field that were completely different and ahead of its time. And now I know Manchester City, I don't know how many translators Man City have got and um, player liaison officers that look after the different players at all levels. So they're, they're geared up for it these days and are still very surprised how many clubs don't do it. Hmm. Yeah, and for, for you, Bridgie, with, with, I, I guess to, to bring that up as well, that point, at Leeds United, you spent a long time there, but... You, we know about the injury struggles that you had and do you think if, if something like that was in place that would have benefited your career and your time there immensely because that, that's a time when a player needs yeah, help Yeah, definitely. Most, right? I, I do believe that because I was I was a piece of meat at the end of the day and when, when you're a prime ribeye mm. or you're a wagyu, you, you know, they want a piece of you and when you get injured for two years, three years, that piece of meat goes off and the next thing you know, we were signing Robbie Keane, Robbie Fowler um, had come in and don't get us wrong, it was unbelievable to see the talent that was coming in but just to give you an idea of, of the difference at the time when I didn't have anybody to bounce off, if it hadn't have been for the physio Dave Hancock, who saved my career and my mental state, um, I met my girlfriend at the time and now wife through that tough time. She got us through that dark period. The difference between then and now, I walked along the corridor and I had one of the coaching staff walk past me 
um, the other way, who was dealing with signing Robbie Fowler for thirteen million. I'd literally just had my second nasty injury, um, snap ruptured my Achilles tendon against Malaga, and four weeks later I was back in the in the club walking along the corridor on crutches to the physio's room, and one of the coaching staff walked past me and said, "See what you've had to do. You've cost us another thirteen and a half million now because you're injured. We've had to sign Fowler." Now. Tongue in cheek, but mm. mentally that destroyed me. That absolutely destroyed me. Of course, and that, they, they didn't. You don't realise how things like that can affect players mentally and people. Mm. Mm. Definitely. And you both, you've. I mean, you're in management now, Tommy. You you said last week on the pod you'd never close the door to it. But I think these lessons learned from managers. You mentioned Tony Pulis. I mean, he seems like such a hard nut off the pitch but was he was he similar like that or did, did he have that personable side um, away from the lights I, I think there's always two personas to, to, to most managers I think if you, if you catch them one on one and you know sometimes they, 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 they can be quite approachable uh, and, and, and feel like human beings but <laughs> you know uh, some managers uh, you know they, they they keep it as I say a hard front and um, that that's the way they manage um, it, it's it's a, it's the old school I think, I think thing, yeah. it's it's sort of suited for for the modern era and and definitely not for you know the youth coming through because uh, you know they 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 definitely need that you know yeah. sort of micromanagement Every, from from the club so um, yeah it, it's, everybody's he was a tough, very tough, fragile tough guy. these days Tommy everybody's very fragile yeah. don't get us wrong it made me it turned me from a boy into a man in the hard knock life um, the way we were things but the game has changed the, the world has changed everybody is so fragile at this moment and I think what I've learned from some of the ex-managers that I've played under and what I've learned from doing the leadership and management courses as well as football courses it's about building relationships and getting to know the players mm. you, you need to know your players doesn't matter what they are but you've got to need, you know them on the field and off the field and that's what you were just saying there Claude's about John Terry it speaks volumes there's a whole it's not just the football that we are, the DNA that makes us as a person. It's everything outside of that. And um, it was really interesting when I took over at MPL level and having a chat with some of the players to find out their backgrounds and where they'd come from. And I was really, really shocked to see how much some of them had opened up and where they had come from. And it made me realise what I needed to do with some of them players to try and get the best out of them or to, you know, some of them do need a little kick up the arse every now and again and some of them need a, need a cuddle and they need a chat. Um, and that's that's the way the yeah. world is at this moment in time. It's about building relationships. And I, I felt the people and the managers that got the best out of me after Peter Reid were the ones that knew that I did need a little cuddle every now and again. In a, in a pickup, but I did mm. also need to kick up the arse when mm. I started getting a bit Billy Big Timeish. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd run through a brick wall for some of them, and then when they just get the screamers and the ballers, you just down tools because you get sick of hearing the same crap. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we, we've seen one man who's I think he's he's famous for that. He's famous for the way he deals with his players. Is Jose Mourinho, and and anyone that's played under him says that he's got that in his locker. And now he's at at Roma. I don't know. I follow a lot of Serie A, as you guys know. And there was a, a an awesome story that came out today. He's got a new eighteen year old forward, Felix Afena Gian, young Ghanaian striker. And uh, literally earlier this year, there's images of him playing a high school match in Ghana. He's now moved to Roma. Played two games off the bench on his third appearance, scored a double. His second goal was an absolute rocket to beat Genoa. They needed it late on. And uh, pictures have come out this morning. The next day, Jose Mourinho's bought him a uh, 900 euro pair of shoes that apparently he's wanted. And and Jose promised him if he scored, he'd buy. <laughs> Bridget, you're just shaking I, your head. I love the story, but have you seen the state of the shoes? 900 euros. They're absolutely crap. <laughs> 
They are minging. I don't. What, what brand are they? I'm, I don't want to get any sponsors into trouble, but they are minging. But the story is absolutely fantastic, and um, yeah, that's how you build relationships. And maybe, maybe seen a little bit of the light, Mourinho. But Bridget, knowing your fashion sense, uh, I wouldn't really. To the listeners out there, I wouldn't really uh, go by Bridget's judgment there. What, what, Tommy? How dare you? I every. Can you remember when we used to do the interviews for the programs back in the day in England? You'd get the match day program as we do over here as well in Australia. There was nothing worse. Every club I went to, um, it, I, I'd been there about six to eight weeks. There was always an interview, and one of the questions was always, "Who is the worst dressed player at the football club?" And I always seemed to get it. I was devastated. So when I came to Australia, everybody wears bodies and thongs and to train I thought oh I'm never going to get it here you know what I mean and honestly sure enough top of Stanley the worst dressed player at the Jets Michael Bridges and I thought if if I'm the worst dressed man in Australia there is a problem <laughs> they're, they're, just to answer your question before Bridget they're Balenciaga sock oh, shoes they're okay. like you know they're, they're so you're the tops. you're the youngster no, of this you. little um, trio here oh, do you like them I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, see, I'm, I, I'm I, up, see, I've got the street cred. There you go. Uh, I'm on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But you've been doing all right, to be fair, on our Sunday show. I see you. You've been. You've been turning it up well, a bit. Thank God, the wardrobe. So, <laughs> he's, he's got a stylist. I think. I give it to you. <laughs> That's it, Tommy. We've got a stylist yeah, he here at Optus. <laughs> I, I dress like a, what do they call it? Like paraffin or a cockroach? I don't care. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. It's that modern management, Jose Mourinho, and uh, he's, I guess he's personifying that. You're saying Xavi come into the role now, complete different. I guess you are a, you're a product of the managers you were exposed to when you were playing as well. So Xavi seems to have come in and implemented that pet philosophy, which is a don't do this, don't do this. You come in on this time, you know, very strict, completely different style. But that's why we love football, guys. I want to look forward to this weekend on Optus Sport. The headline fixture is Chelsea up against Man United. What makes this game all the more juicy is the fact that Midweek in the Champions League, Chelsea have a game against Juventus, which is a must-win if they want to top the group. And United with a game against Villarreal, very similar situation. New manager, I guess, interim. Does that change the the tale of this story? We would have originally predicted Chelsea to run away with this result, but I think now that there's been a managerial change, there's new hype around. We know Cristiano Ronaldo's there. We know Can this shift it and can United get a result at Stamford Bridge? Uh, in my view, I don't think so. <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I still think they've got the same issues no matter who's who's in charge. I think, you know, the back line, obviously, Maguire hasn't been playing great. He's he's out with, with obviously, um, the sending off. Uh, so they need to solve that issue. And then still in midfield, it just hasn't worked. And, and I think they're just coming up a, against a, a too good Chelsea side uh, who, who's, who's, who's humming along um, at a really, really high level. Uh, and sadly, I think it, it could be another you know, three or four uh, defeats, in my view, even though uh, there's going to be a, a bit of a, re- a reaction with, uh, with Solskjaer gone. Tommy, I've got a question for you going into this one, yeah? Can mm. you name a current Manchester United player that has never scored against Chelsea in the Premier League in 10 games? A very, very well famous. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, current player in the team? Yeah. Uh, it's probably Ronaldo. 
Well done. Well done. What an incredible <laughs> start, man. I was just going through it thinking, you know, 10 games against Chelsea and he's never scored. I thought he scored against everybody mm. he played against. Um, and I've, I've, I've got to say, Claude, when I look at the way Chelsea are performing, I agree with Tommy, I can't see United getting out of this one. Um, the last two matches have been nil-nil at Stamford Bridge and at Old Trafford. Um, they've been, as I call them, bore draws. I can't see this being a bore <laughs> draw. Uh, and especially with Varane being out injured, Maguire suspended. Uh, I know Chelsea have got their own injury worries. It depends how much that game is going to take out of them against Juve. But, you know, United, the current form, the situation they're in, they've got to travel. To, they're playing Villarreal mm. as well. Um, it, it, mm. I think it all leads to another Chelsea win here. Yeah, look, you mentioned that stat with Cristiano Ronaldo and you've just given me nightmares, flashbacks though, to the 2008 Champions League final. He actually did score against Chelsea in the Champions League final. But not for, uh, not for not in the Premier League. Yeah, not in the yeah. prem, not in yeah, the prem. Yeah. So I'll take that. I'll take that stat. But you just you just gave me <laughs> terrible nightmares from from watching that game. Uh, but yeah, no, it'll be very interesting to see. Tommy, another game I've I've got my eyes on, and it's it's the early game of the weekend. Arsenal at home to Newcastle. Now Arsenal embarrassed away at Liverpool. Newcastle desperately need a result. They've now slipped to the bottom of the league. They remain the only winless team in the prem. But we we saw some good signs scoring three goals against a solid Brentford team. Could there be an upset here? I, I, I like what Newcastle are, are doing, at, at least the, the different approach. Um, you know, I, just, uh, you know, Joel Linton suddenly uh, getting back on track. I think going forward, I think they've, they've got some, you know, some, some really good talent, obviously, with St. Maximin and, and Callum Wilson. Uh, I still think at the back, uh, they're still too vulnerable. I think we saw it again uh, against Brentford. I think they, they and, and Arsenal, uh, uh, I'm not going to give that many chances away. I think they've they've again shored up at the back. I think um, you know Ben White again with uh, Gabriel have done a, a great job with Ramsdale. So I, I see Arsenal getting a, another win here, uh, sadly. But but I, I love the different approach from Newcastle, and I think it, it has to be the way forward. They have to win games. They have to score goals, um, and then hopefully. Sign a few defenders uh, come uh, come January. It's the quiz master here again, Thomas. Um, how many goals have Newcastle scored against Arsenal in the last six matches in Premier League and FA Cup? Uh, two goals. Incorrect. None. Okay. Whoa. Oh wow! Wow! Okay. Isn't that that well. <laughs> so they've con- last one was two nil um, at home. Then it was, oh, hang on, let's see, Arsenal 3-0, Arsenal 4-0, Arsenal 4-0, Arsenal 2-0. It's wow. absolutely incredible. Um, but here's one for you. Both teams have struggled to score this season. Arsenal have only scored 13 and Newcastle have got 15. And well, look at the difference got, who, in the table. Who's this sat man that's come on the show? <laughs> Mate, honestly, I am just absolutely <laughs> nailed it this morning. I'm going to do the mic drop in a moment. But after reading them stats and having a look at it, I give Newcastle United no chance. And Eddie Howe is still um, managing from isolation due to the you, COVID that he has got. So so, uh, so there's no chance he'll be on the bench? There's no chance he'll be no, out? No, he's weekend? got to be in isolation okay. again for this weekend. So that's two games okay. in a row. And Newcastle yeah. were really hoping for that home win. Um, I can see them going winless again this weekend. I was thinking about Newcastle, Bridgie. I was thinking, I mean, you're in a relegation battle, but so cashed up that surely the play here has to be signing players on short-term loans maybe in January and you get them for six months and that way the player, because otherwise, I mean, I'm trying to think what 
high quality players going to want to go to Newcastle to be in the championship so again that means they're cutting wages that means you're playing championship football the top end players that want to play Champions League football or play in Europe at some point or the Premier League they're Mm. not going to risk that and sign a two or three year deal Um, it does but you know what I did think I thought if I look at a team like let's say Real Madrid or Barcelona right and you've got players like Aiden Hazard and the rest I know it sounds ridiculous but for those clubs which we know are in some sort of financial turmoil over the last few years, if you can offset that wage bill and you can offer to take a player, you maybe double his wage, so he's he's happy, and you can take away two hundred thousand euros yeah. a week or whatever it might be from that club for six oh, months. I think that, they could that's get what I'm a couple of big you, players. In like January, that. they will get some big players, don't you? Listen, they will get mm. big players. However, it will be the short-term loan deals. So Newcastle will recruit, mm. and they will be working hard to find them players that are not playing, that are on high wages and try and get them in um, to showcase what they're all about. And yeah, who, who knows what can happen, but there's no way the players will be signing long-term contracts or two or three-year deals unless you are the current current players at Newcastle United like John Joe Shelby, but they won't, they won't be doing that. They'll only be St. Maximum and Callum Wilson that they will be keeping. Mm. You know who they need now, Tommy? Alan Pardew. That's what they need now. Yeah, he pulled off that ridiculous double signing of uh, Mascherano and Tevez, and I could see that Newcastle just needs some sort of inspiration like that. That's got to be that's got to be the best I'll double signing. Tell you what, Paul, you uh, want to be back at Newcastle United when he was originally. He signed an eight-year eight uh, contract. Can you imagine an eight-year contract under the new Saudi Arabian regime? Wow. Oh, and uh, but uh, I think that uh, unraveled with with all the goings on with the agent and the uh, rights and everything else. I think there was a lot of dodgy going on there with those signings. But hey, it helped, it helped them. It it helped them. Yeah, they need something like that. I mean, Dembabar and uh, and Papi Cisse was yeah. the other one as well. They, they 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 know how to get themselves out of trouble, Newcastle. And I think uh, everyone's hoping that they do bring in some big names. It'd be great for the Premier well, I've League. Just Guys, got myself, as we sorry, as we wrap Claude, up, I've just managed to get myself some tickets. Yeah. Um, I will be there watching Newcastle United against Manchester United in England um, on the 27th. It's the late Monday night kickoff, so it'll be early Tuesday morning here on the 28th. Looking forward to that one. Just that's a nice Christmas treat for me and the kids. You're going to be doing some Instagram stories while you're there for Optus Sport. Uh, depends how many beers I have, mate. <laughs> Come on, get your mug on there. If you're at the game, I want to see something. It's even more entertaining. I was going to say, I've become, since I've come to Australia, these little schooners, you know, um, and you drink, we drink little schooners, but we drink uh, mid-strength. In England, it's full strength and it's pints, so I, I could be caught out here. (laughs) <laughs> you're in trouble Tommy you're heading over as well yeah I'm, I'm heading over next week actually and uh, be uh, dropping in on uh, Leicester Newcastle and, and catching up with Casper uh, Michael after the Ooh, game so Danish I'm, friend I'm, yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know we're gonna stick together. So yeah, and no, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I just can't wait to to experience the atmosphere and you know English football again. So uh, hoping for a good one there. There should be goals in that one. So can't wait. Speaking on English football, actually, I'm going to bring this one up before we wrap up because uh, we've had a little taste of England arrive in the A-League, which kicked off over the weekend. Bridgie, Daniel Sturridge came on for, for nine minutes for Perth. And I think over 17,000 people came to see Sturridge. But what was lovely about it, he stayed back 35 minutes after the full-time whistle to take photos with fans and sign jerseys. And, and Jack Rodwell, 
What a random signing that was. And, he, and he's come on. He has almost scored a bomb late in the game. It's just, are we opening doors to English players maybe to revive their career? Because I don't think either of these two are finished yet. Uh, Sturridge is definitely not finished. Rodwell's got unfinished business. But I don't think the Netflix documentary for Sunderland Till I Die um, did him any favours because he was one money-grabbing mercenary. Um, and, you know, I, mm. it, 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 every man to themselves. You know, it hurt me because I've, I had such a valuable part in Sunderland and I could see the demise that they were in it. It hurt the fans. However, as a, as a talent, mm. and obviously West Sydney Wanderers aren't paying that kind of clout for him, he's definitely got something he can offer. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, we saw a shot from him from distance. Uh, I think the commentary team and everybody got a little bit too excited. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, people want to see goals and want to see a performance. Everybody got carried away with one shot. And Daniel Sturridge, um, you know, I like him off the field through social media content. I like what he's all about as a player as well. And I'm delighted that the A-League has managed to grab somebody like him who has so much to offer. And I think it showed his kudos for hanging around for the fans because there's not many players will give that amount of time to, to the fans. And as a marquee player in the A-League to to try and make the league bigger and better and keep them fans embraced, um, I'm all for that. And I thought it was a, a lovely moment. Hmm. Tommy, I thought an interesting one was Jack Rodwell. He's, uh, his missus is Australian, and that was a big reason for the move, that she, she wanted to be home, close to family and everything. And it got me thinking, right, hear me out on this one. It got me thinking, if we can get more Aussie boys and girls going overseas and, and just hitching themselves with some top-shelf footballers, maybe that is the tactic to our marquee system. What do oh, we think? Hey, hey, Bridgie. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already taken. Just to all the listeners, I'm just showing my wedding ring off. I'm already taken. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out the ball game. Don't worry. We wouldn't be sending you, Bridget. We wouldn't be sending you. Uh, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a dodgy thing you're suggesting here. Um, you know, I, 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 hey, we got to hey, try I've got a daughter now. She's 14. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the right thing <laughs> to be talking about. You, you two are footballers, and that's 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 the last place you what want will, anyone going. Is that right? You stay away from say, football. I think the Australian girls, since I've come here, I think the you know the the sun over here, the tan lines. Um, the you know the, the tan that the Aussie girls have, it's still nowhere near the Geordie or Scouse of fake tan lines that I've witnessed in the years gone by. All right, it takes a lot to be that orange. Uh, I've watched a few seasons for Geordie Shaw, and I uh, I think I can yeah. agree with you there. Yeah, there, there was only that, there was no, only one person I played with, or sorry, played under that had a better tan than all Australians and all um, all Geordies on Geordie Shaw, and that was Phil Brown, the Hull City manager. Phil, I think Phil only signed me at Hull City um, under Sam Allardyce. Sorry, at Bolton Wanderers with Sam Allardyce because he heard that my wife used to work in a, a sunbed uh, sunbed shop and I think Phil was after a few discounts so he'd do his tan up. He, he, he was the master of suntan and fake tan. Wow, I've got some photos here. That is, that is unbelievable. Quite we used to, fake, we used to get his white shirts and have a look at the collars <laughs> and it was just frightening, mate. He loved himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brilliant, gentlemen. Uh, as always, Gagenpod pl- football plus the rest. But it is it is very good to have the A League back in full swing. It really feels like now football is is back in full swing. And on a Saturday, you get those Australian games right into your Premier League. What more could you want? We've got another massive week coming our way. Champions League football midweek, Europa League, and right into the Premier League. We've got some huge games coming up. Tommy, you guys are leaving me soon, but we're going to be doing the Gagan Pod anyway, because I don't care, because we're in the modern age of internet. You guys can dial in from wherever you like. Tommy, big week coming up in the Prem, but my last one for you. 
We look at Chelsea, we look at Liverpool, we look at City. They're the three best teams in the league by a country mile. And when we have a look at their next five fixtures, who is top come Christmas? Ah, uh, it, it's going to be tight because the, the schedules are very similar. They're not playing each other. Um, I, I still think Chelsea are, are looking really, really strong. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be tight, and and there's going to be a couple of them that are going to drop uh, points. But at the moment, I think they just look unbeatable. You, you still feel that Man City can sort of stumble, and and again, we, we're still talking about that's obviously after Christmas. But uh, you know the. Uh, African Cup of Nations coming up and, and Liverpool losing a couple of players. So at the moment, uh, your boys, I think, um, have my uh, vote of confidence for being top. Yeah, I was going to say, looking at the fixture, I've got to say Man United, obviously, the next for Chelsea. Then you've got Watford, West Ham will be a tough one. Leeds and Everton, I think they can breeze that with Chelsea. Man City, obviously, West Ham. And then Villa, Watford, Wolves, Leeds. I can't see them slipping up. So, and Liverpool got a nice run of games. West Ham, however, City, Chelsea, and Arsenal to play. So, a big testing month for them, yeah. I would say, or, or the next five matches. I'm going to say Chelsea will be top still. Mm. And West Ham did have a reality check on the weekend. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you that last one as well, Bridgie. I mean, they are still hanging on to fourth spot, but come Christmas, are they still there? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think it was a reality check, but I still okay. like what they're all about. You know, the, the the one for me was Antonio not being able to get back from the Jamaican national mm. duties with the flights that they had organised mm. for him. So the, the West Ham owner got a private jet for £100,000 because he wanted him back in time for the game. It didn't work. I think they they were thrown into disarray from all their travel arrangements. It impacted them. And, and Wolves, have, Wolves have been tidy this season. Jimenez got the goal. Um, yeah. They've they've got better and better as the games have gone on. But yeah, I think West Ham will be will be safe and they'll still be in that spot. If not, it'll be Arsenal. Brilliant. And that that hurts yeah, me. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that game's getting all the more juicy. Arsenal West Ham is coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Plenty of football each and every week on Optus Sport, guys. And as always, you last, can catch. Oh, Bridgie's got more to say. Go, go on. I just want to say, me and Tommy are going back to the to Europe. Um, obviously, he's going to Denmark and then England. I'm off to England and France. I just want mm-hmm. people to know, we've just done the, the Optus have just done the deal for the Premier League for another six years, which is absolutely incredible. Huge. We've got the WSL, the Women's Super League, mm-hmm. until 2004. And what I want every... 2024, Sorry, we're not going God, back in time. I've done that again, right. haven't I? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I put that out on a Twitter feed as well, yeah. by the way. I got abused off my mother. Get the DeLorean oh out. God, 2024. <laughs> if I could turn back time. The the thing I want to say to the listeners in Australia, you you don't understand how lucky you have it. Being able to watch every Premier League game live whenever you want. Because what I will tell you, when I go back to England, I've got to wait until... You've got to see the games live, or you've got to wait till Sunday when there's two matches put on. We call it Super Sunday over there. And we might get one other mm. game unless you're paying your subscription. So... The the people and my mates back home do not believe how much Premier League football I get to watch over here with all the content. It's amazing. Make the most of it. Embrace it. And um, like I say, another six years is incredible for us at Optus Sport here. Oh, exactly right. We we we, sh- we are very proud, and uh, we're all part of this team. And that, that's that's the biggest announcement of the week. Six more years. Not only that, Optus Sport winning best social media coverage as well worldwide. It was a massive award for them, and uh, and very well. 
deserved. We're all very happy. We can't wait. Looking forward to the next six years. I'm sure there's plenty more in the pipeline. And guys, it all kicks off right away, as we said. Plenty of football coming up this weekend. You won't miss a beat of the action here on Optus Sport. We're going to have you covered, as always. And you can tune in with us next Tuesday. We'll see if we can find Mark Schwartz. I don't know where he is. I think he's on holiday again. The guy is just uh, very tough to get a hold on. But uh, nonetheless, you can join me and these legends every Tuesday to chat everything you could ever want to know from the world of football on the Gagan Pod. But until then, have a good week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.